Welcome to VCR, a vintage cinema rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Blake. I'm Jason. And on this episode, we're going over the top, right into the spoilers. Oh yeah, we're doing the 1981 war classic, the Australian war classic, Gallipoli, which is a really interesting movie that we talked spoiler-free in the primary episode. So if you haven't seen this one before, go check that episode out because we're about to get into full spoilers, like you said. Yes, and it's a fun one. I don't know if fun's the right word, but it is definitely one of the war movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. It's an enjoyable watch if you're really into war movies, and uh, it's really eye-opening as well. It's a respectful Remembrance Day type movie. Yeah, but- yeah. We talked all about all of that stuff in the primer, so go again, go check that one out. This one is maybe not for you who haven't seen this movie, because we're about to get right into them spoilers. And the way I kind of want to, I guess, break this movie down is it's got a pretty clear three-act arc to it, right? And yeah. I, I think that to talk about this movie, it makes sense to kind of talk about it in each of the acts, because like I said, it's very clear the first act all revolves around while these characters are all living in Australia and how they all kind of end up eventually joining the army and their motivations behind that. Exactly. And then I guess the second half would be their training montage. Right. It's uh, not, not too long, but yeah, it's like a good middle chunk. And then the end is obviously Gallipoli. Yeah. 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 It builds up to that. So starting with act one, This is kind of an interesting act to open up the movie with because it really takes its time with this act. I was not expecting this movie to be this way. (laughs) No, neither was I. I didn't expect like a full foray into life of Western Australians. And like it it felt like a Western almost because like the setting is very much like that. And we're um, introduced immediately to Archie and his um, his uncle, his uncle, and him training to be like one of the best sprinters of all time. Like he's on track for that. Like he's fast. Yeah, he's comparing himself to Harry Lazales, who's like a world champion hundred meter sprinter, and he's pretty much running at the same time, or even less than. Harry had done previously so you know this is a big deal and he is shown to be a big deal early on right like and and a lot of that is building towards this this 18 year old very young man who could potentially go off and do something really big and significant with his life yeah like he would be an Australian idol and he would put Australia on the map at the Olympics probably and around the world as this like super fast sprinter yeah, and and actually, I was reading some reviews of this movie, and uh, I think it was the Guardian's review. They called Act One an archetypal sports movie, mm-hmm. and I actually thought that was a really good way to describe the first act because it feels more, way more like a sports movie than it ever does a, a war movie, and that's kind of what yeah. makes the movie unique. Is it spends so much time developing the character of who Archie is as well as kind of showing the contrast to Frank and, and his friends as well, right? Yeah, exactly. And, it, like, they set everything up as this sports movie. It's, like, it would be pretty disarming to see this for the first time with no context. Yeah. Um, especially in theaters. 
everyone who would have seen it would have known what it's about, but like us not knowing what Gallipoli itself is, um, you could especially yeah, because we're not and, Australian either, right? Like yeah. we don't that the history of Gallipoli is definitely not something you and I ever learned about in the history books. Yeah, exactly, and uh, so. I was like, this is a good sprinting, like, um, oh, what's that movie with the first, um, cool line? runnings. Uh, yeah. Me, cool runnings very much. No, I was saying, uh, <laughs> the number 42. No, you lost me. I'm full Baseball disclosure. Guy. I'm I'm not a war or a sports, sports movie guy. guy. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I don't know my sports movies all that well. Jackie Robinson. It felt like a very Jackie Robinson intro mm. or just any sports movie, really. Yeah. And it even sets like Frank up as more of a rival to yeah. Archie at first there. And then eventually, actually very quickly, they bond over the fact that they're both very strong runners. Yeah. I think that's actually part of what makes the movie interesting as well is because Archie essentially has the world at his fingertips. Like, he comes from a family that seems to be wealthy enough. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, hurting for anything. Like, it doesn't build his character as as somebody who's dreaming of more because he has nothing. You know, he's got a, a good life ahead of him. He, he could be that Olympic-type runner that everyone remembers forever. But he's just so drawn into the mysticism of adventure that his, his uncle lived but as well, like the the ideas of war and the ideals of war. And I think part of this, what makes this movie interesting as well as a contrast to the modern day is there's just a really strong sense of patriotism mm-hmm. that that I, I don't know that a modern audience is necessarily going to, you know, immediately step inside and, and understand. Yeah, yeah. Like we would see it, like it would be removed from us slightly like we would be um like the audience to that but we we don't fully grasp like the true patriotism of that time especially like this world war had been going on for uh like a few years already before it came to um like australians being involved and that's where again i think as time has gone on the ideals of frank and the way that frank's character is portrayed becomes more and more interesting and and more and more easy to connect to because he's really the only one who's at all hesitant about joining up with the army you know there's just so much about the army that just seems to be an improvement to one's life Mm -hmm. in australia at this point in time yeah and he's looking out for himself throughout the majority of like the beginning act and uh, but he has a strong sense of friendship and i think that like that's where this like the buddy buddy movie like it's not like buddy cops or anything but like it's like the friends bonding is really what um changed his mind or at least uh swayed him towards joining yeah exactly and that's that's actually kind of just the crux of it it's almost like a peer pressure kind of situation and i think that that's actually a good alternative reason for why someone potentially would join the war is, is the fact that all of my friends are going too, right? Like, mm. I, th- I think that that's actually a really interesting perspective to be sharing. So Frank is not like, he's not coming from a well-off family. He's out working railroads with his buddies mm-hmm. and uh, they all know like they don't have any real prospects, but he's a dreamer. 
I feel like he's like an entrepreneur who wants to do something right. big, and yeah. but he hasn't been given necessarily the uh, setup that Archie has. Well, yeah, he doesn't have the same opportunities for no. sure. And he's a city boy too. Yeah, there's like differences, and then they overcome those and become like best friends, Archie and uh, Frank. Actually, if if I have any slight bone to pick with the movie, is that the idea of it's it's kind of a weird stretch. I felt like between Frank and his friendship with Archie compared to his friendship with the other three guys. Billy, Barney, and Snowy, because it he he's constantly forcing himself to choose between the one two, yeah. group or the other, and and it I I don't know it for whatever reason for me that was like like I said a bone to pick that I had with it is that it just felt almost forced in a sense that he was having to choose between the groups like I, see I don't what know you mean. I, it was it was just strange like I don't know I I I, I that was one small bone that i had with with the overarching plot and and how the characters interacted with each other i think that's why like there's two protagonists and not five Uh, yeah the the three friends like they they weren't they didn't have anything going on and that's why um frank couldn't fully connect with them because he was dreaming of a future that he was going to build for himself yeah like he had something and then so did archie and it overlapped as uh, being sprinters. Yeah, they instantly had a bond. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Especially because uh, they do race, and Archie wins like just slightly. Yeah. That race was pretty... Like, that was a good watch. I enjoyed watching them race. Yeah, I, I agree. Like it, it was so strange because it, it was like, I know this is a war movie, but it's, yeah. it's succeeding... At being a sports movie right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It felt a little strange for sure. But yeah. it's it's such an interesting way to go about a movie. They they make you fall in love with these two characters as if it's just uh like a brotherly rivalry within mm-hmm. sports. That's where the journey starts. And I think like it makes sense for a lot of these uh like young Australians and young soldiers going into war. Like they're they're not dreaming of slaughtering people they, they just want to do right by their country and protect their friends be with their friends and hopefully come out of it like maybe an officer that girls will be impressed with and maybe have like a job secured and a little bit of glory just a little bit they don't need a lot yeah you actually you hit on most of the motivations that the film really like is is directly shouting at you right like the only other one that i have noted down here is that with the amount of anti-german propaganda that yeah. was being churned through the australian society and and that being a motivator as well and that's actually kind of goes to the idea of patriotism as well and i think this is a really interesting kind of maybe bigger concept here but just the idea of how much patriotism is is too much patriotism right like you know if if you've got an entire populace rallied around a cause then they're not going to accept like anything less than than a full war with like everybody going off to this war right like Mm -hmm. uh, it just felt like so much of australia was so thirsty for for this opportunity to compete 
in at this world stage, right? Yeah, they wanted to prove themselves because they had only recently joined the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Um, they joined in, I think, 1901. And um, so they hadn't really proven themselves yet. And they they know like how strong they are because they have to live in Australia. And I guess like at the end of the day, thinking about it in that frame of reference, like it's just the other shoe doesn't drop until very late in the film, right? Where yeah. it's like, oh, there's actually a consequence to what we're doing. Yeah. I wanted to say in the first act, there's two people who are like a voice of reason that the boys don't listen to because they're young and full of patriotism. Uh, yep. The first would be Uncle Jack telling Archie, like, like you have something here. Don't, don't just throw it away. I know you yeah. want the adventure and everything. That will come. Just keep running and keeps like keep competing and you'll be able to live that like awesome life that you are dreaming of following the footsteps of LaSalle. Of course he doesn't listen to that. He already had his bag packed. And then uh the second one was after so they take a train together and that's where Archie and Frank become best well become friends. And Frank is an idiot and they took the wrong train and it just ended up in the desert and they would have been sucked there for two weeks and they'd right. miss their um train to go fight so they walk through that desert 50 miles through the australian desert yeah and and like it really shows the difference between the city boy frank and archie who had been living in the outback yeah and his resourcefulness yeah exactly and his drive and his uh like he's optimistic yeah 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 he well yeah. Th- i think that's also just the stark contrast between him and frank right yeah, like yeah. he's just this pure unapologetically optimistic 18 year old yeah. who just has no idea of what the bigger world looks like mm-hmm. and frank is more of a pessimist and and it goes into the contrast like eventually we kind of get more into frank's backstory and his family's backstory and everything and that mm-hmm. really kind of shades the the difference between the two of them yeah because because frank is actually a irish immigrant and his it's alluded to that his dad was hung by the british i thought we saw his dad oh was it yeah it was frank's father i thought for whatever reason i i think somebody in in frank's family was hung. was hung by the british yeah that that oh and that's another sentiment that we haven't talked about the um the view of the British from these Australians. But before we get to that, uh, the other person who was like a voice of reason, kind of, was the camel driver that they encounter as they're like about to dive dehydration out in the desert. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah. So they're explaining to uh, the this camel driver who's like, he's pure out back. Like he's just out there all the time. Yeah, he's just a pure drifter. Like, he's like, yeah. oh, I haven't been to Perth in, like, I don't know, years. Yeah, kind of thing. or, like, any city, really. Like, he probably stops yeah. in the small towns or homesteads and whatnot. But uh, basically, they were explaining, like, why they're joining up. And Archie was like, if we don't stop them there, the Germans, they could end up here. And uh, the camel driver is like, looks around at the mm-hmm. waste that he's living in. And he's like, well, they're welcome to it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are they taking? <laughs> what could they possibly want with Australia? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it really shows how much they've bought in already. At least Archie has. Yeah, well, and that that that's 
and oh sorry prevalent. Another, yeah another quote from the camel driver was like how did it start because he hadn't even heard about the war and archie yeah. was like don't know exactly but it was the germans fault <laughs> like, he <laughs> yeah. doesn't he's 18 he doesn't know what he's doing uh, but he's bought in yeah for sure and we see like how exuberant everybody is when at the race the uh that big like uh the horse yeah what's the their, horse yeah what's the like the cavalry unit that he joins when they show up like everybody is the australian sad. light horse yeah yeah so that battalion or uh yeah they show up to recruit and it's like a party it's it's exciting it's um like tantalizing to all these young young men yeah like when when they get to like through the desert like even when they meet basically their saviors like that family out mm-hmm. that are living out there that finally you know they get that last push to get on the train or whatever to get to perth that family is all just like so fascinated by them heading off to war but also just like so patriotic of, towards them like oh you guys are like the cream of the Back crop home. like the best yeah. of australia yeah like like, like you guys go it. and fight yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like there's and and that kind of also shows Again, like just how much people have bought into the idea yeah. of of the positives of going to war. And I saw in that scene as well, that's the moment that Frank is like, hmm, I guess girls might be interested in this because the family's daughter is like, yeah, all the guys have gone. And yeah. uh, she's like looking at him like dreamily, like he's going to come back. Like he he immediately imagines himself in like a officer's dress coming back to women like her. Yeah, and again, I think it's, for him, it's a part of the peer pressure. Like, if you're constantly, everybody in society except for you is saying, this is great, this is so fun, Mm -hmm. there's literally no drawback to you heading off to war. Yeah, you're going to learn skills, you're going to be in a uniform and, like, get to see the world. Like, it's all of that. Yeah, when you, it's intoxicating. Yeah, and it's being built up throughout this first act so strongly mm-hmm. like everybody that they meet except for like two detractors but they kind of ignore them or brush those off because they're already bought in yeah so yeah overall great first act for like making us really like the characters yeah we see their motivations in life in general and how they're being funneled towards the war yeah i honestly think that this is potentially maybe the strongest act of the film and i think a lot of people who connect with sports movies are are going to easily find a home in this film. Yeah, with yeah. That first act. Act two is, in my opinion, has some of the highest highs and some of the lowest lows in the movie. This set is incredible. Like yeah. where we go to Cairo, the backdrop is them training literally beside the pyramids. And they're actually on site filming at the pyramids there, which is just incredible. Yeah. The fact that they were able to do that, I know even the 80s is so long ago that like now nobody gets to do that really. Like they're filming right beside the pyramids and they're like, they're not touristy. Like they're, they're just, the pyramids are there and they're training right beside them. It's crazy that they were able to film that. Yeah, 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 definitely. And, but at the same time, like, you know, actually, and, and while they're training, against the pyramids. I think this is maybe my favorite quote of the movie is when they're all admiring the pyramids and, and what the pyramids represent and why they were built. And 
I think it's Snowy says that it's man's first attempt to beat death. And I, I yeah. thought that was really profound in a sense. You yeah. Know? That, yeah, that was it was and it's funny because um Frank just like brushes that off and he makes a joke out of it. Well yeah. I think it was Barney or it wasn't Snowy, it was one of the other two. Oh yeah, you're probably right. The one with Snowy's the mustache. more yeah, cynical, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. And then, you know, we get to the big war games that happen in the desert, and that's where Oh, we we haven't even said like Archie and Frank, like how they're separated yeah, either, right? Yeah. yeah, they got split up because Frank can't ride horses and he's trying to get into the cavalry um the what was it the first horse yeah the australian light horse australian light horse uh battalion and he tries to fake it after like archie teaches him a little bit but he just can't get the horse to move and it's like that was a funny moment that was actually a really funny scene too and like when when they're kind of trying to enlist and that he's like explaining how you know he he's part of like some horse group in in Mm -hmm. some small town and the guy was like oh i've never heard of that and he was like well you know you're not gonna hear of every place in every small town yeah (laughs) we're not that big of a deal um (laughs) so so they do get separated and then eventually you know this is like 20 minutes half an hour like there's a good chunk of time where archie's not in the film and it's really from frank's perspective like longer than i i thought actually or i expected because archie you know, we start the film with Archie and Archie mm-hmm. does feel like the main anchor of this movie. Yeah. And then it, it really kind of changes the focus at this point to Frank's experience. Yeah. And I think it's because you can have so much more fun with Frank as a character and Mel Gibson is the main actor here, obviously. So he's going to get more like more of this act, I guess. He, he deserves some. But uh, he's so much more interesting of a character because they have um it's like a term of like hooliganism it's called larkinism Mm. and so he's very much like a larkin in australia like he's like playful and rough and like a hooligan so he's messing around he has a lot more depth he's a lot more of a complicated character whereas archie is just like a happy happy fella (laughs) very idealistic like and i think even you know this this was made in 1981 like this is after the vietnam war and world war ii and everything else and the perspective of war has changed significantly from 1915 Mm -hmm. and i think that it probably peter weir and and the writers of this film probably recognized pretty early on that even in 1981 audiences are going to connect more with frank than they are with archie yeah yeah very much so they're they're kind of their big meeting point is when they do that th- that big war games right and that's where archie and and frank are reunited on mm-hmm. opposite sides of the battlefield which is also a pretty good scene like it's yeah. it's highly entertaining like watching both of the fake armies yeah. fake fight each other while also like half of them are actually beating the shit out of each other yeah yeah because they're still boys playing at this yeah. point but while you're watching that too, there's the overtone of the generals, um, and they're watching with like pure seriousness, and right. they're like, they know what they're sending these boys into, but the boys yeah. still don't know, and they're so Frank is in the infantry, the other guys in the cavalry, then they they have to like fight each other. They didn't know necessarily where each other were in um, in the military at this point. 
then they just mm-hmm. meet and it's like a fun meetup. And and again, this is also another point in time where I had mixed feelings about the plot point of Frank leaving his other group of friends to yeah. join with Archie. Like, I don't know, it, it felt a little bit too contrived for me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely had some problems with some of the, the plot in this movie, but yeah. not to say that I didn't like it, but... Because Frank and his three friends were, like, this, like they were um, experiencing, like, going through Cairo, figuring out how to um, represent Australia as a culture in this new culture that's so foreign to them. And right. the shenanigans that they get up to is really fun. So, like, that adds so much depth to the their little group. And, like, then he just abandons that again. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I get it. I get what you mean. Yeah, it, it was just odd. Like, and, and like you said, like, there, there are some fun shenanigans. This is, again, in my opinion, probably the weakest of the three acts because I think that it's maybe a little over long and starts to lose a little bit of its focus. Mm. But it's fun there's like some really great moments the other the other really great moment actually like one of i guess the most knowing moment especially as as the audience is like right before they're all sent off to turkey that when they're at that charity event or or whatever like celebrating the nurses yeah the ball so frank essentially sneaks into it and Mm -hmm. is immediately caught by the commanding officers and so the commanding officers tell uh, Archie, you know, you've you got to get him out of here. Like, he he honestly cannot be here. Yeah, yeah. And then right after they say that, they get the telegraph that says, you're all shipping out at like 6 a.m. Yeah. to go to war the next morning. And then he says, ah, you know what? Like, go have a drink, go have fun for the night yeah. kind of thing. Because, yeah. again, there's that knowing that you were just saying before that all of yeah. the officers have this deeper understanding of really what's going on here. Yeah, and that general too whatever his name is i didn't keep track of that um we see him like three major times and one is when they're getting on the boat to go to from australia to egypt to train and that's uh you see his wife give him a bottle of champagne and say like this is for our anniversary like wait like you can have it on our anniversary and think of me or whatever and then we see him in that scene where like he's very serious in both like all of his scenes really because he's older, he kind of understands. He has a, more of a grasp of what's going on in the world and what the British are going to be asking of them. Yeah, so that's a great moment to see him say, like, oh, like, have a few drinks with your buddy like, and go dance with the girls. This is going to be the last night. He doesn't tell him that, but he knows. Yeah. Well, and I think I think he, out of everybody else, like, there's a little bit of detachment at the top of the command to the rest of the army. Like, a, a lot of them are maybe a little bit more seen as numbers, honestly, but it it was Major Barton was his name. Mm. And so he definitely had more of a sense of connection with his, uh, his soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. And that was because he is like the Australian command. So, and like he, he has the patriotism, but it's like a love for his countrymen. And he's doing this because he's required to like, yeah, it's, it's a, he's a small on-screen time but big impact kind of character yeah yeah very much agree i, lo- I just love seeing like the four guys go out in the city the scene where they mess with the shop owner and yeah. then at the end realize that it it's the actually wrong the shop. wrong shop is hilarious yeah. it's also like a little bit gross but it's also really funny yeah yeah exactly 
and especially too as well like as somebody who's traveled to like mexico and bought like dumb little trinkets mm. it's so funny because while you're there like it again it's intoxicating like you really think that you're being sold something special whereas yeah. it's so funny because you know you look back in history and that's all we've been doing for like hundreds of yeah. years like maybe even thousands of years is selling each other bullshit basically yeah, yeah. and like <laughs> Yeah, like the Australians show up so um, unaware of what it's like, and all of the Egyptians are selling them like, "Oh, this is an antique. Like, the, yeah. This is uh, like a thousand years old, and it's just like a little painted mummy, and yeah. it's like so obvious." And uh, yeah, the way they revealed that, I did want to say I think it was Barney who at one point during this time says like, "It's bad luck for mates to split up." Yeah, right. And again, like that's where the movie is trying to balance this friendship between the group of friends. But, and I get, I get it at the end why they did that because there is a very important scene in the third act where it's the like the consequences start to happen. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, like it felt like we were being stretched in just one too many directions. I I also think that's life, man. Like these kids are eighteen to twenty four. They're like twenty one. Right. And like yeah. that's starting to happen. Like you have your childhood friends, then you have your college friends, and it's similar to this situation for. So it is kind of realistic. But we've we've said quite a bit about that. I do want to say <laughs> the first scene I think where we understand the Australian view of the English. The um, mm. so mm-hmm. it's when they first get into Cairo. They buy some donkeys so that they can mock the English officers, um, like sitting on these like perfect horses. They like sing a song and it's like Australia is here to save you because you can do it yourself. Yeah, that's actually it's really funny because I was reading about some of the historical accuracies and that was actually something that was somewhat historically accurate. There's a properness to the British army mm, and yeah. and the way things are done whereas the Australian army was significantly more chaotic and yeah. rambunctious. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's that Larkinism that um <laughs> Larkins is like a hooligan thing from Ireland and it moved over to uh, Australia and like you have a bunch of young larrikins and they're supposed to like brush shoulders with these elite officers of the English and get along mm-hmm. not gonna happen so they had like that one good song making fun of them yeah 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 and then see act three is when we finally get to Gallipoli we finally get to the actual war itself yeah, like right off the bat, you see, again, the difference between Frank and uh, Archie, because Archie's just smiles the whole time. Like they're they're riding up to the beach in uh, like their landing boats. Archie is still like anxious, but smiling. And then you see Frank, he's just like, he's like, this is getting serious, man. That's actually, it's really fascinating how that's framed because it's almost like, exciting and fun in a way still right like even though the shells are constantly going off like there's never a moment where you aren't hearing guns being fired and not even in the distance like Mm -hmm. there's shells landing right beside their boat as they're beaching but it feels genuinely exciting yeah yeah and 
even like so they land and they kind of get settled in and they figure out they have a little bit of time to figure out like what's the lay of the land is so archie and frank go ahead of the other three they come after mm -hmm. but they kind of get a lay of the land they figure out their roles and everything and there is an excitement they do still they feel like finally we're in the action and it yeah. still hasn't fully settled in that like shit's gonna get bad yeah people are getting injured by some of the shells and stuff but then you see them like going for a swim and they all put money in a hat and pay for insurance yeah 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 insurance to go into the water and then like one guy does get his like shrapnel in his arm after they mm -hmm. dive under the water that would while they're getting like braided with um bombs and then they come out and like they're like they're like hey i got hit like give me that money <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's it's so surreal yeah. because it's so it's such a different perspective of war of anything you and I have probably watched. Like I, yeah. I honestly, genuinely don't have another war movie to compare this to. In I, that sense, there's a little bit of it in the beginning of All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm. That that is, I think, the best comparison. But Gallipoli is like the opposite of all quiet on the western front while discussing similar things a little bit interesting yeah because you see the excitement of the kids going to war and these are germans and right. uh, you see them falling for all the patriotic propaganda and everything but instantly all quiet on the western front nails home like this is not what you thought but here yeah. in this movie there's so much more about the lead up and who these kids like who these kids are and who they represent as like Australia. Um, it's really interesting that just the comparison of those two movies, I would say, is like a, a good one. Yeah, like they're still excited. They're still in the adventure for now. And yeah. they like uh, I think Archie is writing home and he's like he is kind of downplaying it a bit but he's saying like oh yeah like all mm -hmm. the lads are here and we're having a great adventure yeah like that feeling is still there and it's like hanging on there's you you start to feel the anxiety around them though well what i really like about all of this too is again the set design is incredible like yes we're on the beaches of gallipoli and you know there's this massive hill side of gallipoli and so the Anzacs, the Australian New Zealand Armed Corps, yeah. is completely like set up on on this hillside there. So they're they're all built up the hillside. At the top of the hillside is the Australian trench, and then the Turkish trench is a few hundred meters ahead of them. Mm -hmm. And so at this point in time, like essentially no headway's been made. Like they've landed on the beach, they've got up the hill, and that's it. Like and and they're really struggling to make any sort of headway towards the Turkish yeah. lines. Yeah, they're holding out. And this is uh if you look into like what's happening at this time in World War One, this is common. Like this this was supposed mm -hmm. to be different, but the trench warfare that this is the first time the world had ever seen this type of warfare and, and it was brutal yeah brutal and you'd never gained or lost like you gain a foot you lose a foot mm -hmm. yeah so they, they've been i feel like our characters are there for maybe like a two weeks maybe a, like three it's weeks not a long. month it's not, it's not long very long but like nothing changes and they get used to it yeah. Um. They settle into because it's not too chaotic. 
but it is chaotic. So they're still in this like adventure phase. I, I can't really describe yeah. it. That all kind of changes when Jack or Frank's friends are sent over the top basically right yeah like that's the first experience of loss that we have the first true experience of loss and it's like frank's friends the infantry are going over the top at 4 15 a.m on day one or 4 15 p.m i don't know and then the next day they are supposed to go as the cavalry the light horse is supposed to go the next day because the whole setup is Basically, they're trying to almost distract the Turkish army while the British can land on a beachfront that's, I think, south of Gallipoli and and get a foothold there as well. Like they're kind of trying to divide and conquer a little bit. What I understand, looking at the map, I think Gallipoli is like an archipelago that um, yeah. that if they can land farther in, they can attack Constantinople. Yeah, which is basically, the main goal. I, yeah. yeah, I was watching a, a YouTube video earlier about this war and, and how significant it was because what they were trying to do was meet up with the Russians in Constantinople and then cut Turkey and the Ottoman Empire off mm-hmm. from the Germans and essentially like cut the war in two and completely like destroy their supply lines. Yeah. And that would have like completely changed the war at that point in time. Like and if they had succeeded in that in 2015, the war would have been over years earlier. Like this is th- this was a big moment yeah. in the war. 1915. Yeah. It was obviously a shitty plan <laughs> and and the execution was horrible as we find out when the two uh, crews go over the top. Yeah. There's just, like, such rigidity to, like, the plan, right? Like, there's no, this isn't working, we need to change things. It's, this is the plan, we are sticking to the plan. Yeah. Winston Churchill is actually one of the the main... Yeah! He's in charge of the Gallipoli campaign, basically. At least from back home, he's, like the one strategizing that this could work and mm-hmm. um which is really interesting because i loved like i read a few winston churchill autobiographies or like biographies and yeah. like this kind of stuff was not mentioned <laughs> he's very much a hero to the western world but uh yeah. not so much in this scenario and there is a lot of dark shit going on in his past which is it was it was interesting to find out about when it comes to this movie. To somewhat the fault of the movie at this point in time as well is Colonel Robinson, the guy who's kind of conducting, especially when the light horse are going over the top and he's conducting them and telling them that you have to continue onwards. And even though they've messed up their time sequencing yeah. of, of going over the top, I thought he was British because of his accent. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. The I did as well. I, I saw that in my research as well, that like he sounded British. There, there just happened to be still quite British accents in the Australian. Yeah, so they were trying to stay true to what Australians would have sounded like in mm-hmm. 1910 or, you know, yeah. portions of Australians. But as somebody watching this in 2023, I just thought he was British and so there wasn't I, yeah. really an easy way to tell that. And that's actually a criticism that even in 1981 people had was that like, that it really showed unfairly the English and, and how, and a cruelty almost to the English mm. and, and 
them forcing all of these people to become like you know human meat shields basically for the rest of the british army whereas that wasn't the case at all like that this was australians directing and commanding australians and it was it was just a rigidity of the plan and Mm. an unwillingness to deviate from the plan at all whether it was inexperience or what um and like like overall the campaign was mismanagements that happen and some mm-hmm. of it quite a bit of it was just the upper echelon or like upper levels of the australian is what you're yeah. saying hm. yeah exactly the third act is very much a saving private ryan um yeah feeling because it's all the same like it's the beach landings like staying on that hill while the um enemy is right up top with the added component of trench warfare which we don't see very often in films especially the last 30 40 years of war films haven't had a focus on world war one yeah i highly recommend all quiet on the western front i haven't seen it i need to i know i need to and also we have to eventually watch the older one like yeah mike and i almost did that last year instead of platoon but we ended up on platoon Mm. instead so it's on our list we we'll circle back to it eventually yeah yeah anyways where are we at what are we thinking? Uh, we're, we're kind of wrapping up like the the story because we're yeah. you know actually I was gonna say I did notice they did make a point to show Major Barton's looking at his watch while they were talking about the plan and I yeah. was like did they just not synchronize their watches I like I actually yeah. thought that at that moment because they kind of looked at their watches and but they didn't like synchronize them at all yeah and he, so he synchronized it with his guy beside him who he left with and the yeah. the artillery guy. His was like five minutes off. Yeah. So it was like, it was shown quite deliberately, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because again, that's a, almost like a trope in Hollywood films, right? Is synchronizing watches yeah. or something like yeah, that. So exactly. it feels weird in this movie, even though it's actually accurate to the truth. And that's sometimes where truth is stranger than fiction and in telling stories like sometimes you almost have to make simplify a story or Mm. dumb it down because the truth is almost too ludicrous to actually put in a film exactly yeah so i guess to go back to our characters in this third act we've seen them settling in and like frank is kind of um like a runner he gets things for people like they're at the low end of this light cavalry unit and uh, they're like filling up water bottles and everything. Him and Archie, they're, they get to hang out. They're, uh, they have some alcohol. like, um, And then it leads up to them hearing that um, the other three are going to go over the top. And that's when it starts to get serious. And right. we see them go over the top and only, I think it's... Barney. Barney dies, doesn't he? I thought Billy died. I think it's Billy who's sitting there, and he's like, Barney's dead, man, after he comes back from over the top, and Frank is, like, like looking for his friends. He finds, I believe, Billy, and he's like, Barney's dead, and then he's like, what about Snowy? And uh, Snowy is, like, heavily, like, heart, like badly injured in the tent. He might die as well. And Yeah, Barney dies. Barney dies. Yeah. And you see Billy, he's like fully, like he's in shock and mm-hmm. um, somehow he made it back, which is crazy. S- Snowy like 
gives Frank his um his diary journal. His yeah. journal and says like tell my family like that like make sure they get this so they know like that I like was brave and I did my job. Yeah, because it's implied that he's not going to make it. Like, the hospital isn't giving him any food or water. They're rationing it to other people because they basically think that he's a lost cause. Mm -hmm. I I didn't get that actually on the first watch. I actually had to rewatch that scene to fully understand what was going on. Yeah, it's the accents, right? (laughs) Yeah, honestly, that was probably it. But but on second time, I fully understood what was happening. Yeah. And, uh, like, that's when it really starts to settle into Frank as well. And he's like, shit, we're going over the top next. And this is where that interesting, like, that beautiful character of Archie that you've gotten so used to. Like, you got to know him. And he's such a solid, like, solid friend, good Australian, and um, good person. And very optimistic. And Mm -hmm. he is offered, because his commander is like hey i know you're underage i know you're like 16 17 or i saw you running once yeah. or something yeah he had, yeah right he had seen him running and and, uh, and he uses the name lazal as his fake name which is like the other runner's name yeah. so he puts all the pieces together yeah yeah exactly and he's like tomorrow's gonna be brutal i don't want to send you as like the youngest as like you're brave yes but you you have a life like you could be a good runner like stay be a runner for me instead of going over the top yeah because it's also an important job right yeah yeah like it's information is everything in war so um but he's like my friends are going over i'm going over but i basically talked frank into this and he's just as good of a runner as me and like Mm -hmm. that was heartbreaking like to see him like like he fully understands now what's what's about to happen i don't think even in that moment he thought he was going to die i yeah i thought like he there was a plan at that point like the only point at which archie fully realizes is in like the last five two to five minutes of the movie yeah i think he thought he was a leopard and he could just out out run the bullets like he had believed in his invincibility he's still 18 like he's he's young so but but he had like the awareness that he brought frank into this and frank didn't really want to be there so like that's noble yeah and uh, like it's it's partially that but it's also like again there's a little i think there's even almost a little bit of selfishness there from being honest because like archie this is what archie purely wants Mm, and so he gives the commander or he gives the major an out like he, he like there's no reason why he shouldn't pick archie as his runner yeah and yet archie is so convinced and so passionate about this that archie knows it makes sense for me to be this person Mm -hmm. but i want this so bad that i can actually give you an actual another solution an Mm -hmm. effective solution yeah so that i can i can continue on with what i want yeah yeah he's got like both of those sides in mind for sure what pisses me off just as a side point it would have been so (laughs) much more effective if the major just had two runners because we see frank run there and back there and back yeah and he doesn't make it back that's a good point i never thought about that yeah like 
I, I only connected that after the movie was done. I was like, no. And then I was like, why? Why didn't they do this? But right. um, Why yeah. didn't they fly to <laughs> Mount Doom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, we see like the like two waves of guys go over the top and it's ineffective. They like the general or the major is like, this isn't working. The um, artillery didn't go continue to go off long enough and right. the Turkish got back into their trench after hiding in bunkers or whatever. So it was for sure never going to work sending guys over the top. They were just going to get mowed down. Yeah. So they had to send Frank running because the phone line was shot. It's a pretty heart-wrenching like final five, ten minutes of the movie, yeah. right? Because we see the first group go over the top and basically nobody makes it more than like Five two yards. meters yeah yeah like it's it's crazy like everybody gets mowed down like instantly yeah and so he tries to call it off after that and the australian colonel mm-hmm. says no this is the plan you continue to send those men over or else we're the british aren't going to get here like to the yeah. other uh, spot like this is very important and so he sends the second group over and they get absolutely no further. Mm-hmm. And there's also like the component as well is that one of the uh, the second in command says over the phone, oh, somebody saw the Australian flag oh, in the yeah. other trench, right? Because again, there's all this confusion going on in, yeah. in this war. And so like nobody really knows what's happening. Like, And obviously if you stick your head over the top, you're getting shot. So there's just like such limited information and everybody's mm. confused and nobody knows what's what's going on or what's what's true what's not kind of thing. Yeah. So we hear this, the phone gets cut and then he, uh the major has to send Frank as the runner and the guy again tells him no, send the second line over the top and so he does and but then um he uh sends Frank and he's like don't go to that guy go to i don't know who the other his general, commanding officer his commanding yeah, officer who was farther yeah. away and yeah. frank had to run along that um route that the there was a turkish turret watching and he had to like run through the bullets yeah. which uh was awesome to see because there had been another scene earlier where we we had seen like don't go past this point and yeah. so he runs past it because he's like i have to save my friends like, I have to make sure no one goes over the top. Let's get this message sent. Gets the message uh, to say, like, um, that the British are having tea on the beaches already. Yeah, they're already there. They already succeeded. Yeah, so th- this distraction was not necessary. Yeah. And so he starts running as hard as he can back. And he even takes, like, a super dangerous other route that isn't like the standard running route it's like and dodges bullets again and he just almost makes it back yeah and so this is definitely the most memorable scene of the entire movie the ending and it's really effective so i I saw killers of the flower moon a few weeks ago and i've been describing people that movie is just emotionally devastating Mm. and this almost is even more emotionally devastating the ending of this movie because like you said frank almost gets back in time yeah in that like while he's running you see um archie and everybody who's about to go over the top uh they put their like a dagger into the wall with their artifacts like their um Mm -hmm. 
their letters back to their families their like... their wedding rings their watches like anything that um like along with their yeah those letters to their family to say like like i had to go over the yeah. top and i know i'm not coming back well and even even major barton basically resigns himself and and again because he has this strong connection with his soldiers mm-hmm. like he says like i can't let these men go to their deaths alone and he yeah. like makes the decision to sacrifice himself along with his men yeah he said um i won't force them to do something that i'm not willing to do and he went as well yeah right beautiful it, it's it's so harrowing it's yeah. just yeah it's it's absolutely devastating archie's final arc of like finally understanding in that that final moment the true circumstance that he's in like mm-hmm. the true devastation of war and and going over the top like delivering that final line about like running like a leopard again mm-hmm. yes and and then that that final scene of like him being shot and 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 like the way that he's shot right it's like him crossing the finish line yeah yeah exactly like and he was running like he ran farther than anybody else had ever like had made it yeah by going over the top and gets shot finishes like him like finishing a race and right before that like uh the whistles blow and you see like uh was it major bartlett or barton yeah barton like he's his hands are shaking as he's about to blow the whistle and fire the pistol for everyone to go over frank is just running and running and he's like he just starts screaming as they go over and like yeah. that. And then you see Archie go over and get a shot. Oh yeah. It's, it's completely devastating. Like it's maybe one of the most effective endings to a movie that I've ever seen. Like it's, mm. it's certainly up there. The comparison again to um, all quiet on the Western front, all quiet on the Western front is as if, like seventy five percent of the movie is that last five minutes in Gallipoli, mm. whereas mm-hmm. this like Gallipoli nails it all home in one like five ten minute chunk, and right. um, like I don't think All Quiet on the Western Front as it was like in the new remake could have existed in nineteen eighty one, but mm-hmm. this one nailed that home exactly the same feeling in a shorter amount of time while giving you so much more history of these characters and like the country and everything. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing about on an Australian war movie is that there's almost more at play here. There's a higher stakes, right? Like Mm. there's, there's a patriotism towards showing even just Australia developing as a nation here. Like you said before, Yeah. like there's more going on than just, the impact of war uh looking into like the history of anzac day after um gallipoli and after the war was over they had anzac day as like a um memorial day it's like our remembrance day yeah our yeah exactly and that was super strong for building the national identity and then that kind of like petered out a little bit after uh in like the 60s and 70s like by then some heads of the military were saying like like yeah it's gonna fade it's phase out people will forget almost all of the people who were who survived gallipoli are and like anzac day are um, dying so it'll probably die out but then actually this movie had a big impact on bringing back that kind of understanding and nationalism and anti-war sentiments because it is 
like right around um vietnam that's when like so like this, 10 years after yeah like understanding the um anti-war sentiments i guess this really brought anzac day back into australian culture yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing is like this movie is so effective at portraying the themes and and showing kind of that loss of innocence and mm. and you know the sacri- the true sacrifices that were made like making Archie and Frank but also the three other friends like giving them all such deep backstories and and getting to know each of the characters as deeply as we do outside of war mm-hmm. makes their sacrifice feel all that more impactful yeah exactly yeah so i i think that's a really really effective remembrance day film mm-hmm. i and agree it's like and we kind of said this before but like i like i almost wish that there was a a canadian equivalent to this that we had because there's so many stories from canada in, in the world wars yeah like we have a lot of like in our history lessons growing up, it was like Vimy Ridge and like the um, poppies, like the the poem about the poppies and everything. I, like we had yep. we had a lot of that, but I don't think there's there's probably a good Canadian war movie. But I Does just that, don't. There's not the same sense of nationalism to that. Like yeah, I, the average Australian probably has heard of the film Gallipoli. Yeah, Passchendaele is that Canadians? I think so. Yeah, it is. Passchendaele is about Canadian soldier. I forgot about Passchendaele. Good 2008 movie. Cool. Yeah. So that's Gallipoli. What else uh, would you like to talk about? So sequels, prequels, reboots. This is adapted from a novel actually called The Broken Years by Bill Gamage. And so that's just a collection of diary excerpts and letters from about a thousand soldiers who actually fought at Gallipoli. So like this is heavily influenced on real soldiers stories. Oh, amazing. I missed that. That's really cool to know. And so getting into like the historical accuracies, the first time that they go over the top, like Billy Barney and Snowy, that's the battle of Lone Pine. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you wanted to read the backstory of that. And then the, kind of the second time they go over the top the, the big climax of the film is the battle of neck of the neck n-e-k yeah yeah neck. yeah yeah there's plenty of information about these wars online like the importance of of these battles is extremely important and influential to world war one and understanding you know again the importance of if they had won this how how much this would have changed the war yeah just to go into like this the whole campaign was a flop so much was going wrong in world war one it was just like a stalemate so they were trying to figure out all these ways around the problem and Mm -hmm. uh this just did not work that miscommunication that the british were already on the beaches just completely Mm -hmm. like wrecked like fifty thousand soldiers that went into battle in gallipoli yeah i i think the actual battle of the neck there was i think 600 australians took part like in the fighting of Mm. that specific battle like the final battle we see in this movie Mm. and almost 400 of them were killed or wounded in the battle and the turkish soldiers basically had no casualties like there was very few again shows the pointlessness of all of this exactly the character of archie is actually based on a real character or a real person uh private wilfred harper of Mm. the 10th light horse 
he was actually a regarded like runner who people wrote about after this battle. So there's different quotes here from different real soldiers. The one quote here is Wilfred was last seen running forward like a schoolboy in a foot race with all the speed he could compass. And then another officer wrote back to his mom saying, Wilfred, I believe, was one of the few who got at most 20 yards. Yeah. Which is, again, shows just the futility of, of all of this. Yeah. That they he only got 20 yards and he was the furthest one. Yeah, exactly. Insane to think about. Effects in filming. So Peter Weir inspired to make this movie actually after visiting Gallipoli in the World War One battle site. This is actually a really important tourist area for Gallipoli and after this movie was made the movie actually became a really important tourist film as well like Mm. if you go to Gallipoli on any tourist vacation there's a good chance that you can actually check this movie out at the hotel or the hostel wherever you're staying is probably playing this at some point during your stay well makes sense the original plan for the film was actually to just focus completely on Gallipoli and show both sides of the war. And instead, they decided to change their focus to make it on one group of characters just to really like bring back home like the humanity and, and make it like into a, a tragedy that people can understand, right? Like, yeah. get away from the statistics, show us like the interpersonal. And that's actually, in my opinion, what this film does absolutely best is, yeah. is making us feel for the individuals. Yeah, and that's why it is, it's in the top, best uh war movies of all time uh i found this one kind of interesting that the producers advertised for 400 skill male horse riders for the movie to represent the the light horse but only about 200 of the uh, guys showed up so they had a bunch of women dress up as men to be the light horse i had heard this fact before ever knowing what Gallipoli was. I think, unless this happened in other movies, but I, I, I've heard of that fact before in like the things you must know about movies. Know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like a list of times blah, blah, blah happened. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. For score, uh, this was composed by Brian May, not of Queen, but the other <laughs> Brian May. We actually talked about Brian May this year because he scored Mad Max and Mad Max 2 as well. That makes sense. Yeah, very famous film composer. Those are probably honestly his three best films, but I mean, we covered two of them this year on the podcast, so. Yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty big. You were talking potentially about there was a classic song. I think it might have been the one song that I was going to mention was what Major Barton was playing like yeah. to himself. That was The Pearl Fishers by George Bizet, which is a duet. Like the song is about two men swearing to remain friends and be united until death. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that part. We kind of talked about this in the spoiler free discussion, but you were, I think, lower on the score, whereas I was really high on the score. I I thought the undertones of the Australian Outback like really came through in, in the music. And yeah, like you you made a good point that like the eighties synths are definitely apparent in this movie. But mm-hmm. again, it's mixed in a way that it feels Australian. Yeah. The majority of it was all good. I, I agree like all of that was good. It was just like the few pieces that are um time like the the synths, they don't fit the like the 1910s. Yeah, yeah, but like that's 
something that in the 80s you really used to like nail that it's like a dystopian feel so it fits in with that last five ten minutes of the movie where it is used so i mm-hmm. i think it's okay and i love that sound so it's fine but it does take you out a little bit when suddenly in a war movie you're getting action movie vibes yeah so i found the other song it's called adagio in g minor it's been squeezed dry it was in rollerball gallipoli and flash dance it's a super recognizable song but it's also there's like it's a needle drop song that, yeah. that gets used maybe over much like this is actually i was talking to this with somebody earlier this week that the new movie the super mario bros movie mm. like they use all these classic rock songs like right and it just completely doesn't fit the movie and yeah. i was like that's the only negative thing i can say about that movie is that whoever picked those songs really did a disservice to that film right yeah that's that's very fair so this, especially in that time, was also, like, this was overused, but it, it's also, the song itself has some um, interesting controversy about who wrote it, but that doesn't really matter. For Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do our personal reviews on the partner factor and wrap this puppy up. Yeah. Do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Uh, overall, I do agree with those two old men who recommended this in a drunken state of, <laughs> of middle-agedness. It's a solid movie. It really portrays the like the anti-war sentiment and what it's really like to be a kid when your soldier age going into a war in the 1900s. And, and I guess your brain doesn't fully unregister yeah. the consequences of all of your actions. Yeah, and that is... A lot of the other movies, they focus on like this many million people died and like we followed this team of people blah 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 but like this really shows like these are kids and they don't understand they're so innocent and the australians were innocent there's so many little things it weaves together everything that i think you need to know if you're a young kid going into war very well like i saw myself in frank and like and parts in uh certain parts of me i'm just kidding Sorry, I didn't even complete the joke. I saw a little <laughs> bit of myself in Archie. <laughs> I saw parts of myself in those, uh, in the characters in a way that, like, I would have been just like them. Yeah. Oh, I can definitely see that. Yeah. For you, not for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're the camel rider in the... <laughs> just blissfully unaware. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah. Living my best life away from society (laughs) but yeah i love this movie it's probably a top 10 war movie for me and a top anti-war movie i would recommend this to quite a few people in the future if i can trust that they have seen enough if they enjoy film and they understand like if they're at the right point in their war understanding journey i guess yeah this adds an interesting context to war and war yeah. films. I am curious if you showed this to an 18 year old, would they fully grasp it? Would they enjoy it even? I'm not sure, but I think like someone who's past that point and like when you start looking at 18 year olds as children in your like 30s, yeah, it has a bigger impact. I almost wonder if if somebody younger, if I was 18 watching this, if I would have looked at 
the first two parts as like this big exciting pitch to signing up for the army and then the yeah. last act being like a ham-fisted like mm-hmm. war is bad kind of thing right yeah yeah and 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 that's just a complete speculation yeah because i i didn't think that at all in my watch necessarily but i i wonder if anybody would maybe take that away yeah it's like the fight club problem where yeah. um people obsess about Tyler Durden that's not I don't think exactly happening here but like it's like a similar thing like would you it's like an interesting thought experiment yeah 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 I still think it's it would warn a lot of the younger kids if like hopefully get it through but it could just be the exact same as Uncle Jack saying like don't do it (laughs) yeah well and that's actually something that's probably aged relatively well as well right yeah (laughs) so like for all of human history the young younger generation doesn't listen to the older generation because they think they're different but as you get older you're like god damn it i'm just like the same only my body sucks now yeah exactly it's weird it's really yeah. weird getting old yeah. <laughs> even and we say that and we're like 30 but yeah exactly. still. partner factor for me annabelle did not watch this and she's not yeah just didn't watch it either yeah honestly this is a movie for the boys no offense yeah uh it it was somewhat of a timing issue with jess but it's also not really her kind of movie i think that the last 10 minutes of this would have upset her so much that she would have been like why did you make me watch that kind of thing yeah it's yeah like this uh you know that website um does the dog die yeah 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 annabella started making me check that for different things for like is it going to be a tragic (laughs) ending because we just yeah. watched this one show from beginning to end, and it was just a tragic ending. And she's like, why oh, did we no. watch that? <laughs> so this movie, I, I think I would have had to double check that for her first. And yeah, she just, like, this is where the timing issue, like, the first two acts are a little bit slow. And you're like, where's the war? I think yes. she would have focused yeah. too much on that. So I don't think she would have enjoyed this movie as deeply yep. as I did. So it's just me contrasting your opinion here. Mm. And I am going to contrast you, maybe the most in contrast with you out of any movie you and I have done together. Because Mm. I thought this was a decent movie. I think that this is a really good Remembrance Day film that doesn't quite always work as a movie. I think that visually, it's really good. Like I think the setting, the set design, fantastic thought that the trench warfare was really fascinating it's not something we've seen a lot because of the focus on some of the more modern wars and and i guess you know society's connection to the more modern wars and being more in our memory right but i had a little bit of issue with the pacing not a ton because i did like the first act more than i thought that I did I think at first as I as I was watching it I was like when is this getting to war but then as I got through into the second act I was like you know what this the first act was really good mm-hmm. the second act it, it meandered a little too long for me during yeah. the training and the guys goofing off and stuff like that and and again it felt a little unfocused because you know Frank's got his friends with his friend with Archie but his mm-hmm. other group of friends and and you make a good point that like yeah it's it's being pulled from different directions and you having different friend groups as you get older and stuff like that. And do you have the same connection and bond with your, your friends that you grew up with 
compared to your friends from university or later on in life. Yeah. And, and, and I was thinking about all of this and everything too. And then like, and I brought this up in the primer episode, but I'm going to bring this up again is I've also got an inherent bias as well that, you know, my idea of a war movie is often the Vietnam war movies and, and their perspective of war and how they criticize war and mm. criticize individuals and and how war can bring out the darkest in human beings Mm -hmm. and i guess i wasn't necessarily fully convinced as a modern audience that all these young guys were willing to go to war for adventure and and you know there are other kind of reasons for why some of them want to go but i guess maybe it's the a little bit of cynicism that i have that maybe i share with Frank and that and that's why maybe I connect with Frank as well mm. about about just like blindly heading into this and so I I'm, I guess I'm where I land is that the movie's decent and whether it's by my own biases or just because of the issues that I had I'm less high on this one like this isn't one that I probably will return to yeah if I'm being uh, more critical of of it I think I'm. I am a little closer to what you're saying. Like, this isn't like a 10 out of 10, but it's, I think, a bit better than a 7. I can't exactly place it because I think if you're putting yourself in the perspective of World War One, because we don't have World War One and World War Two, like these characters, these, uh, the people going into World War One, this was like the first time ever. Well, it's not like you and I talk to people who fought in World War One on a regular no, basis. Exactly. But I mean, um, I don't think they understood what they were getting into in any sense of the Yep. Well, World War One was supposed to be done in like a year or something, wasn't it? Like yeah. oh, we were gonna be home by Christmas kind of deal. Yeah. I agree and I disagree with some of the things you say. And yeah, this this might be our more divisive uh one between us between you and i yeah Yeah, i mean mike and i still have some uh pretty divisive movies (laughs) but you and i are are generally very close in our movie tastes yeah yeah um yeah overall enjoyable enough movie maybe the best ever but maybe not (laughs) (laughs) somewhere between the best ever and and it was okay yeah yeah it was more than okay yeah it was it was good i I can say it was good but i I couldn't go any higher than good that being said upcoming stuff next time mike and i are doing the princess bride so real excited for that one one of the greatest movies of all time i just watched that too (laughs) so did he last weekend yeah i i basically just showed annabelle that movie for the first time in her like adult and teen life like she watched it as a kid I mean, you're welcome to join us on the episode. We're filming this weekend. We're recording this weekend, so. Uh, I'll see. I have a dinner club. But anyways, yeah, yeah. I'll try. After that, I think you and I are doing the holiday episode, which we haven't looked ahead at that at all, but Christmas Vacation could be a cool one, Mm -hmm. or we could go, you know, something very different. Last year we did... Did we do Die Hard last year? I think yeah, we, we did, did Die Hard for Yeah, sick movie. Yeah. I actually, as a side note, I went and saw Raiders of the Lost Ark at a movie theater last weekend, and they announced that their December old movie is going to be Die Hard, and ah, I think perfect. Magic Mike and I are going to go see Die Hard in December. Awesome. Yeah, that's... 35 millimeter. It's going to be sick. Oh, yeah, I would love to watch it on that. What? So, 
Raiders of the Last Ark? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, but is are we talking about like a 2023? Or, no, like the original. No. Okay, I thought there was a new one out and I've been There missing. is a new one. Uh, the I Dial thought of that's Destiny. what you... Oh, no, Dial of Destiny. When was that? This year. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, I, that, I just wasn't paying attention and I thought you went to watch that. So nah. I was like, why would you watch that at the old school 35 mil theater? Right. But okay, that's cool. Yeah, it was sick. Yeah, Raiders is great. I will talk about this more, I think, at, at our year-end review episode, but uh, it was a really cool experience. So awesome. if, if you get an opportunity to go see an old movie at a theater, go check it out. Like at a good theater? Like, yeah, I'm definitely going to try for that. Awesome. Yeah, we'll think of a good Christmas one. This was fun. Um, I still... the The funniest scene in the movie to me was still that very first, like, 30 seconds where... He's doing the breathing exercises and he's like, um, shit, what was, what was he saying? Deeper. Deeper. Yeah. That was, it was a weird intro. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. To a modern audience, it was a weird intro. (laughs) Uh, So much happened in the movie that by the end I was so depressed. I didn't even remember that until you said it. So yeah. (laughs) On that note, we will see you next time for the princess bride. Look forward to it. Cause that's a fantastic one of the, great movies yeah oh I'm, I'm so excited i want to show that to someone new like it's so it's such a good one i'm uh i'm, I'm hoping we can convince some new listeners to watch that one you will you will thoroughly enjoy it yeah 100 percent agree all right cool see you next time i'm jason i'm blake <laughs> and tell your dad <laughs>